0: Just a great joy to be able to share the Bible, share something from the Bible with you this morning. I love Easter Sunday, uh, resurrection morning. I love baptisms, I really do. It's so touching and it just somehow focuses everything so seriously and yet joyfully that people are really committed to Jesus and they're sharing his death and his resurrection, all it means in their lives and uh, just to put those two things together on this Sunday morning is such a thrill and it's a privilege to be able to speak at this time. Not surprisingly, I want to talk about the resurrection and uh, I thought it might be just good to read one of the accounts of the day we're remembering. I, I think there's lots of things that make Easter, a little more meaningful for for Christians, if I'm honest, than Christmas. Don't mind worshipping Jesus at Christmas, enjoying Christmas, but there's a number of things that make it a little more weighty for us, probably not least the accuracy of the date because of Passover and all the rest of it. We know we're dealing with the right time of year and the right occasion, so we're genuinely remembering an occasion when Jesus rose from the dead, for example, in in a sort of authentic way if you like not just a guesswork way but actually also of course everything that happened at Easter is the reason Jesus came to earth and it it brings everything together and it's a glorious thing to celebrate and try and understand and just thank God for this morning so let's read the account in Matthew of what was happening on this day nearly 2,000 years ago the third day after, after Jesus had been crucified So I'm going to read to you from Matthew 27 and verse uh, verse 62. The next day, the one after preparation day, which would have been like yesterday, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate, Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Sorry. I'm a day ahead, until the third day. This is what they're doing yesterday. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. And this last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go and make the tomb as as secure as you know how. Notice. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. After the Sabbath For I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you unto, into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, but filled with joy. And they run, ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they'll see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. Matthew was writing that a few decades, maybe, after the events. It was very near to the events. And that's how he says. He says they're still putting that story around. Right, what I'd like to do this morning is to be very simple and straightforward. I believe God's put a message on my heart for all of us. And and it will be good for us just to get some things clear as I start. So I want to talk briefly about two very important facts. If you're going to understand Christianity, you're going to be a Christian, you need to understand these facts very clearly. Here's the first one. The resurrection of Jesus was an actual event. It really happened. We are talking about the resurrection of a particular person, Jesus Christ, at a particular time and in a particular place in this world and in history, a real event. Christianity is based on historical events, real events. That's vital to our faith. It makes it a bit vulnerable to attack, but it makes it all the stronger. These things happened. The Bible is very clear that Jesus really did die. Experienced Roman soldiers checked his body. I'm afraid they were very familiar with death. It was a daily thing for them. It was a very brutal world compared to our world. These guys dealt death out and saw dead bodies probably almost on a daily basis and crucifixion. They would not have made a mistake. And indeed, to ensure he was dead, one of the soldiers thrust his spear right through into Jesus' heart, right through his ribcage into his heart. He was dead. The Bible is very clear that Jesus really was buried. And a lot of people knew where he was buried. Two secret disciples who are actually quite intelligent and high-standing men in Jewish culture, Joseph and Nicodemus, very bravely went and asked Pilate for the body. Now, this is not some reverent whispered thing in a funeral parlour. Jesus has been crucified as a common criminal. It's a very public, shameful way to die. If nobody's very interested in the body, it, you're almost treated like refuse. This is all public. The soldiers finish off the body, rip the bodies down. You know, it's, it's pretty brutal, and it's pretty out there. This is not some whispered thing in a background. It was brave. For these men to go, they had to go very clearly and publicly to a very powerful local figure, Pilate, and ask for the body. Having got the body, they presumably nobody came and brought it to them in a hearse or something. They had to go some rather tatty common area where the bodies were, and then with love and care they wrapped it in a, a fresh uh, shroud. materials and into that put 75 pounds of spices which would have been a lot very heavy but a lot of money involved so they would not have done that lightly that would have been a challenging thing to do and they would have done it very very carefully then they put the body in Joseph of Arimathea's new grave cut out for himself it was a very privileged thing for a wealthy man to have it was a cave cut in rock with one entrance and they put the body in there but as we've read, the Jewish authorities were very keen to make sure that Jesus was not uh, put around us having risen from the dead. Funnily enough, the disciples are much less prepared for a resurrection than the Jewish authorities. It's strange. They are much more. This guy said he was going to rise from the dead. We want to make sure that doesn't happen or there's no rumor. The disciples were all over the place. They weren't looking for a resurrection at all, if you know the story. But anyway, so they got a detachment of guards from Pilate. So we're talking about Roman soldiers, pretty well like professional soldiers. They know what they're doing. And they put a huge stone over the cave, over the the grave, the cave, and sealed it. The seal would have been a rope probably with either wax or clay seals at both sides, right over the stone so that there could be uh, very clear if it was tampered with in any way, if the grave was tampered with. And these soldiers would have guarded that grave for their honour and for their lives. To be honest, if they made a mistake, they could easily be executed themselves. Then, on top of that, a small group of Jesus' disciples, the bravest ones, the women, they watched where the body was laid. So, a lot of people know Jesus was buried. A lot of people. People have an interest in keeping him buried, some of them, the soldiers certainly, and the Jewish authorities, and the sword of Pilate as well. And so, friend and foe knew Jesus was dead and Jesus was buried. No mistakes are remotely likely to have occurred. The Bible is very clear that this same Jesus rose from the dead. Physically, materially, whatever way you want to put it. The body that was crucified was resurrected. But it was a new body in the power of an endless life with a new way of living, which... All Christians are going to share one day. It's exciting, have new bodies like Jesus' body. But it was totally real. He was later to eat breakfast with his disciples. He was to allow them to feel the, the, the wounds where the nails had been and the side with the spear. It was a, a physical material body that truly rose from the dead. And this has always been a central fact of Christianity, the fact that it has been attacked all the time is not surprising, and it's even in what, what, what we read this morning. It was attacked then. There was an attempt to uh, say it was a fraud, to, to say that the, the disciples stole the body. And we haven't got time this morning to look at all the evidences, but the evidences for the resurrection, and by evidences, we mean. Judicial historical evidence, in other words, not so much forensic laboratory stuff, but, but where you take witness statements, where you put together fact, all different facts, and you d- draw up a case like we do in court, like uh, historic archaeological research does. The evidence of that sort for the resurrection is absolutely overwhelming. And if it wasn't a resurrection we're talking about, it would be a no-brainer. Because the way the whole thing is written in the Bible is not remotely like Uh, A myth or a made up story. Not the way things were made up in those days. This is 2,000 years ago. If people made things up, it was very obvious. Myths were written in a very obvious way. This is subtle and interesting and slightly contradictory because it's different eyewitness accounts. Not true contradiction, but like eyewitnesses are, people remember different things and tell things. And it's a fascinating and a very subtle, very subtle uh, fraud if it's a fraud. In fact, it's, it can't be. That, it's anachronism to say that. People haven't written fiction or didn't write fiction like this for another 1,800 years. This is the way novels are written. Nobody wrote novels. Nobody wrote fiction like this. This is, this is first-hand witness accounts we read. And, of course, the biggest and most powerful argument is the empty tomb or the body that isn't. Where is it? And you, I can assure you the enemies. Of the faith would have made every effort to exploit any fraud. They would have made every effort to produce a body. And uh, I would imagine, given their track record with Judas, they would have tried to find informants or people who could have told them what really happened. I'm sure efforts would have gone in. Nothing was successful. The tomb was empty. No body was ever found. The only explanation that makes any sense is that Jesus truly rose from the dead it's amazing so that's a very important fact it's a real event in real history and a real person who raised from the dead the second important fact is this the resurrection of Jesus is essential to Christianity whatever you hear or think you've heard or picked up sometimes even from religious figures sadly even Christian speakers sometimes to Understand real Christianity and enjoy real Christianity. You have to know that Jesus rose from the dead and believe it. You have to accept it. it, it, There is no real Christianity without the resurrection. Why is that? Because the gospel, the good news that is Christianity, depends on the resurrection. All the wonderful promises that God has made are fulfilled through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that's how it was preached again and again in the New Testament. I could take you to several places. These things happen because Jesus is alive. Jesus paid in full the price for your sin and my sin and the amen, the it is finished of the resurrection tells us that debt is paid. Hallelujah. It's paid in full. The wrath of God is satisfied. The whole slate is wiped clean. The power of sin, Satan and death is broken by the resurrection. It begins a new era, a new age, a new creation as we've already heard and that will roll on into eternity. We have already got eternal life. We are f- having a foretaste with, uh, with many victories over sin, many things like healings and deliverances and, and enjoyments of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. They're little foretastes but it's going to get better and better and better. Jesus began something that changed everything. And one day, there'll be a renewal of creation, new heavens and a new earth, and we'll have new bodies. And it all is like ripples of glorious power that roll on from the resurrection. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit can be and is poured out on us because of the resurrection. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit is a sign that Jesus is risen and ascended at the right hand of the Father and sends the third person of the Trinity to actualize and bring to reality everything he's won for us. It's it's all on the resurrection, and it's wonderful. And there is a hope beyond the grave for every one of us who put faith in Jesus because of the resurrection it tells us that this life is not all there is it's not just going to be 70 years or 80 years whatever it is and then that's it no 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 there is far better and far more than we yet have even begun to understand beyond our imagination not floating around on clouds with a harp or you can do that if you like but i'm sure there's a lot of choice what you do but this is tangible new bodies like jesus with, it seems, quite exciting possibilities of moving from the spiritual to the material. Almost heaven and earth blending together in a sinless, glorious synergy where God's dwelling place is on earth. I mean, it's wonderful. And it all is something to look forward to if you trust in Jesus. Jesus has been raised from the dead. So, in the light of that, and that, by the way, for those of you who are worried, that is half my talk. Not just an introduction. So in the light of that, what do we do? So in the light of that, what do we do? Well, I want to put up again the angel's message. The angel's message on the resurrection morning is what I want you to look at. Thank you. If you could pop up the actual words. There we are. The angel said this to those two women on that resurrection morning. And I want to use a few phrases to give you something to think about and to take away with you this morning, whoever you are, because there, are in, there is in this message something that resonates for us because of the resurrection. So Jesus is raised from the dead. That first morning, two of his followers meet this angel and this angel says, I've got some really good news for you. He says, you don't need to be afraid. For I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Come and see where he lay. See for yourself. Just don't take my word for it. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, tell his disciples this, that he has risen from the dead. Tell others that he's going ahead of you to Galilee and you will see him. Now I've told you, go and do it, sort of thing. That's the message. Well, here's the message for us this morning, for you. First phrase, for phrases quickly from this message. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. If Jesus rose from the dead in the way we believe, then there is nothing, nothing to be afraid of. Now, I speak as someone who is naturally timorous and nervous. My wife will tell you, one of our kids... Our ki- we've got three children. One of them says of one of... Two of them say of one of them. I won't say which. She's got the worry gene from dad. Okay? Just to tell you... I am not a natural, lion-hearted, brave... Marion's much brave than I am. But I tell you... I draw great strength from this spiritual truth. This is not about psychology. This is about faith. If Jesus has risen from the dead... Actually, there is nothing to be afraid of. You don't need to be afraid of death. You don't need to be afraid of the devil. You don't need to be afraid of men or women, you know, people. You don't need to be afraid of trouble and circumstances. You don't need to be afraid of persecution. You don't need to be afraid of anything in the present or the future. And if that sounds vaguely familiar, it is. I'm broadly drawing from Romans 8. If Jesus is alive and you know him and he knows you, he, his life and your life are, are one. You're a partner with him. He will never leave you or forsake you. You have started a new life that will go on forever. Do not be afraid. Amen? Amen? Don't be afraid. Here's the next phrase. He is not here. They say, why is that? Well, because, why do you pick that one up? Well, it is very important for all of us as Christians, particularly as Christians, to live in the reality that Jesus is alive. I'm not sure we always do. I'm encouraging you to. He is not there. He's not in a tomb. He's not in the ground in Jerusalem. He is at the right hand of the Father, and through his Spirit, he is with us. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. He's here, not there. I mean, that's important. And I think the church and Christians easily, historically, have not done well with this and forgotten. Listen, Jesus' body is not in the Middle East. It is not in a patch of ground around Jerusalem. I'm going to be a little controversial. That is irrelevant to the Christian faith. Christians have fought Christians over that patch of land, sadly, over the last 2,000 years. Muslims have fought Christians. Jews have fought Muslims. Jews have fought Christians. I think the whole thing is irrelevant. It's been a waste of life and a waste of time. Jesus is not tied to a patch of ground. We do not reverence something like that. He is more here this morning than he is in the garden tomb in Jerusalem, unless there's a bunch of Christians worshipping there. If there's a bunch of Christians worshipping there, he's there. If it's just in the middle of the night and it's a patch of ground, ancient and historic though it may be, he is more where you are gathering in your community group than he is there. He is. It's exciting and it's challenging. That is not where we're at. We're at the presence through the Holy Spirit of the risen Jesus. He's at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. He is not there. He is risen. And that makes the Christian faith so exciting and so different to any other religion. It is different. It's not that others are rubbish. It's just massively different. They are they just another order. Not all religions are the same. Twal, twaddle. That is rude and patronising. It's rude and patronising to all religions, actually. Shows you haven't thought about it. But anyway, that's me having to... But listen, the Christian faith is terrifically different. In lots and lots of ways, but this is a big one. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. And he's with his people. he never leave us or forsake us. Right, next phrase there's only four of them, come and see. That's what the angels said to these dear women. And I want to use this as a little challenge if you're not yet a personally committed follower of Jesus. You know, what the angels said is, look, this is not just about believing what I've told you. And in my case, I could argue it's not just about the logical argument, which I obviously didn't have time to fully make to say, well, look, the logic is that Jesus did rise from the dead it's not you've got to make a personal engagement with this you've got to go and see for yourself christianity is a faith based on historic facts and reasonable arguments actually but it is a faith fundamentally you have to put faith in jesus you have to come for yourself and decide to follow him just as the dear friends did this morning in baptism as Jonathan so well put it it's often a long story it's a different story it's a fascinating story we picked up a little sense of that about Steve with uh, a friend praying who'd obviously known him 30 years it sounded like Uh, and and, uh, you know whatever it was and you realize there's all sorts of complexities but in the end you have to go and see for yourself don't you in the end that's what Steve and Kate did and John a long time earlier too but in the end you have to do it. You have to put your faith in Jesus. You have to be prepared to commit your life to him. Now, some people well, say that's not easy. Well, in a way, it isn't. And then some people, because of that, say, well, look, if only I saw a miracle, that would help. If only I actually had seen Jesus, seen him risen from the dead, that would make it so much easier. I would say to you, would it? You say, yes, it would. Well, can I give, give you a little reminder? There are a bunch of soldiers in the story I read to you, a bunch of soldiers who were absolutely poleaxed by the presence of an angelic visitor, one angel. Knocked them for six. They were shaking and collapsed. And they saw the stone just ripped aside like a, like a leaf, it seems, just brushed, brushed aside by an angel. And they just collapsed in fear and ran, fearful and sh- traumatized, to tell their bosses what had happened. But they settled down. They got over it. And it seems, after a little bit of help, were willing for a sum of money to lie and to pretend it hadn't happened. Somehow they rationalised it. Somehow they cope with it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? You see, in the end, you do have to make a step of faith yourself. Even to have the most extraordinary miracle happen to you can help, but it doesn't remove the need to say, I'm still going to follow Jesus. People were healed by Jesus, probably many of them who didn't appear to end up, as far as we can gather, as his disciples. I mean, he fed 5,000 miraculously on one occasion, amazingly, and yet on the day of Pentecost, there's 120 in the upper room. I think, where are the other 4,800 who got fed? Oh, that was nice. It doesn't necessarily work. There is a step of faith you have to make. And I think some people have been doing alphas and thinking and hovering and wondering and expecting and thinking, if only I got healed, if only I got zapped, if only I got... One morning it was written on the ceiling when I woke up, Jesus is alive. No, no. Even then you'd rationalise that away. You have got to commit yourself to Jesus as an act of faith, humble, genuine faith, which is what the dear friends did who, who were baptised this morning. Finally, go quickly and tell, the angel says to the two women. Now this is for all of us, and it's not going to be the majority, isn't it, in this room, who are followers of Jesus. If we claim to believe in this Jesus who rose from the dead, surely We need to be bold and radical and flexible and active as Christians. Surely you can't believe this, and it doesn't make much difference to your life. Come on now. You know, I know we're busy. I know stuff happens. I understand that. I get busy. But in the end, goodness me, this is amazing stuff, isn't it? And we want to go out and tell people, I think it's not. this is not a drive to you. I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not a Steve Lee. I'm not a bold evangelist. But I tell you what, I get stirred by this stuff. And it always, always challenges me. What am I doing? Why aren't I bolder? I'm going to be bolder. Go and tell. It's an amazing story. It's wonderful. That go and tell could be pray for people. Talk to them about what you did at Easter. It's not necessarily you've got to give them four spiritual laws. But there's something exciting about who Jesus is and what he did that we need to share, don't we? Let's share it, friends. Let's just be prepared to talk about it, prepared to pray for people, prepared to just live in the reality of it. Let's try and rise above being too self-absorbed or too slow of heart to believe, which some of the other disciples were, weren't they? Let's let the faith grow in us. Go and tell quickly. Are you ready to move? Are you ready to be radical for Jesus? Are you ready to move for Jesus? Are you ready to go somewhere and tell? I don't know what God's saying to you. But the gospel is the only hope for the world we live in. This gospel of Jesus' death and resurrection Honestly, I really believe this. It is the only fundamental hope. Yes, you can tinker with things. All through my life, people have tinkered, and they, they're well-intentioned. So people try and alter laws, and we bring in a health service, and that's wonderful. We have education. This is wonderful. But you can't change people's hearts. So it helps. It's a bit like a, you know, a bit like an aspirin or a paracetamol. It helps, but we need a cure for the human heart. And a cure can only come through the gospel. It only comes through what Jesus did. It only comes through a death and a resurrection. His becoming ours. Amen? We we have the hope for people. We have the only answer. We have bread in a starving world, spiritually starving. If Jesus is risen from the dead, then the gospel is dynamite. It must be dynamite that means the power of the holy spirit is available we will see people healed lay hands on the sick and they will recover we will see demons expelled let's see that jesus said go into all the world he said go in my name make disciples he said lay hands on the sick he said in my name demons will flee it's interesting isn't it don't talk about that much nowadays we ought to see a few more they can't have all gone to sleep can they they can't all gone to africa or something they're they're here but they aren't very bothered by us, well, let's make them bothered. Let's make them bothered. There is a risen Jesus. There is a gospel to tell to this world. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to the risen Lord Jesus. And so the resurrection sets us up for probably the most exciting and probably not very comfortable life you can imagine. It's going to have some bumps. It's going to have some scary bits. But it's got purpose and direction. We have a purpose, which is we're here to tell people about Jesus. Honestly, that's what we're here for. Otherwise, it's come blessed heart attack. Let's get on with it. Let's go and see Jesus. So what we don't want that. We want to go and tell them, don't we? Just by loving them or sharing it or, or, or praying for them. Let's, let's finish together with a song. So I'll ask the musicians to come up.